Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Hamilton's Grey Cup celebration was a spectacle. We'll look at Hamilton's economy, talking to strangers, a new public health concern, transgender day of remembrance, and a successful local restaurant. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. About 28,808 fans at the time of their life, and I'll say another, I don't know, 200 in the press box or so. Maybe more than that. Uh, also at the time of their lives, it was a fantastic Grey Cup championship game last night at Tim Hortons Field. The Montreal Alouettes are Canadian Football League champions once again, first time in 13 years. And I will say the reconfiguration of the donut box is kind of cool too, with some of the suites in the end zone, some of the added bleacher seats. It was it was really well done. Rod Smith and Glenn Suter with a great call on TSN. Trying to find the end zone now in a first and goal. Oliveira, 3, 2, 1, touchdown! William Stanback, breaking loose, 10, 5! Wait for the signal, it is a Montreal touchdown! Oh, what an answer back by that Alouette offense. Try for another here, he gets it. Dakota Pruka finds the end zone again in a Grey Cup game. The Blue Bombers add to their lead, looking for a touchdown or bust here. From the Winnipeg one, Caleb Evans, left side again. They say no. No signal. No signal. And it looks like a turnover on downs. First time in 13 years. The Elves 
are the 2023 Grey Cup champions. Phenomenal call by Rod Smith on TSN. Thanks for the audio. What a game it was. And Alouette's quarterback, Cody Fajardo, was named the Grey Cup's MVP. And he says he had waited his whole life for a moment like last night. When you grow up as a kid, you always want the ball in your hands with the game on the line in the biggest game. And I was just thankful for that opportunity. I remember taking the field. I was so calm. And uh, having my family here for me was incredible because I drew strength from them. He played great. He threw for 290 yards, three touchdowns. He did have one interception. And it's his first title as a starter. He won the Great Cup back in 2017 as a backup with Toronto. But now on the CFL Summit as a starting quarterback. And here was a statistic going into last night that was just mind-boggling. Fajardo was 0 for 9 in head-to-head matchups versus Zach Caleros. Last night was his first career win in 10 head-to-head matchups with Caleros. Alouette's receiver Tyson Philpott, he caught the game-winning touchdown and was named the Grey Cup's most outstanding Canadian, and he had a phenomenal game as well. And he says he has been dreaming about this since uh, he was a little boy in Delta, B.C. This is the greatest day of my life, you know. Yeah. I had a, I have a Vanier uh, Cup, but this is, this. I dreamed about this as a young kid. Like, I watched NFL football my whole life, and just to be on this stage, to uh, make an impact like I did, is, it's a dream. The Alouette's receiver had six catches for 63 yards and the game-winning grab. The other locker room, um, obviously not as happy. Winnipeg quarterback Zach Calero struggled to hold back his emotions after the game. We're sad, you know, just, you know, you play, you play to win the game, you play to win the last one. Then we came up short. Um, you know, Montreal was a few plays better than us. Um, it was really sad. Because uh, there's just a lot of good guys in the locker room. And, you know, guys that, might not be able to play again. Winnipeg was looking for its third Grey Cup championship in four years. And Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea says, you know what, his team just fell a little short. Yeah, back and forth, and they made a couple more plays than us. But credit them, they came in hot, and they they did what they needed to do when they needed to do it. So, um, yeah, once again, they, they, they played a damn good game. Actually, both teams did, to be honest. Winnipeg was favored to win by as many as eight and a half points. It was the Bombers' fourth consecutive trip to the Grey Cup. They won the first two against Hamilton, but lost last year against Toronto, and of course last night against Montreal. The Alouettes ended their championship drought of 13 years with eight consecutive wins down the stretch, including their three playoff victories over Hamilton, Toronto, and Winnipeg. Unbelievable. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The Conference Board of Canada has shared its outlook on Hamilton's economy for the rest of 2023 and into next year. And it says that our economy is in a period of relatively slower growth. Well, how so? And what are the factors contributing to that? Victor Teachman is an economist with the Conference Board of Canada and joins us on GMH on 900 CHML. Victor, good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. Let's start with the outlook for the rest of 2023, and we're pointing to relatively slower growth. So what are some of the factors contributing to that? Yeah, so what you're seeing in Hamilton is actually similar to a lot of communities across the country. Um, So the interest rates that have been high, the inflation that has been high, have finally sort of had an impact on consumers and businesses. Um, Both are being tapped out and are reducing spending, And so, as you can tell then, 
going into this year and into next year. The economy is starting to slow down just a little bit. Um, I don't want to use the word recession, but it is definitely a lot slower than what we've seen the last few years. And so this will be the case for the entirety of 2024 as well? Not the entirety of 2020, sorry, of 2024. Um, we do expect that inflation, as you can tell with some prices and what you're seeing in the news, it's slowly starting to go down now. And so by next year, it will be just at near the point where we want to see it around 2% growth each year. Interest rates will also start to become, start to go down. And so consumers will slowly regain their footing and businesses as well start hiring again. And so right into the second half and into 2025, we do see the economy rebounding quite nicely. What are some of the biggest challenges that will be created by this relatively slower growth? Um, Well, I think it's just for a lot of businesses, um, especially, let's say, in the retail trade industry, there will be less spending going on. I know that for a lot of people. Um, There may be some job losses that may occur. We do see employment slowing down um, quite a bit. Um, the unemployment rate ticking up, so some job losses will occur. Um, and I think that might make it a little bit challenging for some people um, going into, let's say, the holiday season, going into next year, that um, if they haven't already been impacted, might make it a little bit more challenging. And so that's that's one area that I can see. And th- this forecasted job loss, I'm not sure if you have a number to it or a percentage, is it mostly in the seasonal employment, gig, gig employment? W- what kind of sectors are we looking at? No, no, we do see um, some other sectors. We do see manufacturing um, has already had a slowdown. Uh, construction had a bit of a slowdown, especially in residential uh, construction. We've seen with the high interest rates, the housing starts, um, which were supposed to, uh, which have been relatively high um, the last few years, has slowed down a bit. So, um, you know, manufacturing, construction, um, some of the arts and culture, retail trade, these sectors that really do, you know, focus on a lot of spending, you know, that's slowing down a bit as well. So it's it's most sectors of the economy will be impacted and we'll see a slowdown, actually. Victor Cheekman is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Victor is an economist with the Conference Board of Canada. It is predicting that Hamilton's economy for the remainder of this year and into next year will see some relatively slower growth. When it comes to job creation, will there be any of that in in certain industries? Yes. um, I think, as I said, this sort of slowdown that's occurring right now is impacting a lot of sectors across the board. But going into next year especially let's say with the global demand picking up for manufacturing. Um, a lot of its steel exports will pick up again. Construction, we do see housing starts continuing to go up, um, especially with the strong population increases we're seeing. So construction sector will do well. Um, the service sector will still continue to do well. That's any place that's from restaurants, hospitality, recreation, as you can tell, you just hosted the Grey Cup. So those sectors have done quite well in that post-COVID recovery, and we still see pent-up demand for a lot of those services going forward. And if I can mention healthcare, um, you know, it's a hub in Hamilton. It's an aging population. Um, that's one area as well that we do see, you know, good employment growth and good growth overall. The restaurants is an interesting one because Restaurants Canada not too long ago said basically half of the restaurants in Canada are losing money. So that, that is some positive news for that uh, industry. Yes, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's one area that um, is, it's 
it's tough to tell what's going on clearly. I mean, they've been really hampered by COVID, the public health restrictions, and then the recovery has been quite well. But one of the issues as well is the labor shortages. It's been hard to find people. They couldn't open, uh, be remained open all the time, you know, as much staff as they would like. That's hurting their output as well. And those labor shortages actually may continue as well going forward. So that's that's one area of concern for the restaurant industry. However, Hamilton does have, you know, a unique situation being close to the U.S. There is a tourism industry as well. Um, there are a lot of people that we do expect that will continue to pick up as well um, going forward. We know that, and we've got about a minute uh, left in this segment, we know that immigration numbers are going to be ratcheted up over the next couple of years. Already has been this year. That's going to put more of a strain on you know, things like housing. Will it also put more of a strain on how the economy grows? Um, it's, you know, there's pros and cons um, with a lot of it. So with more immigration, um, we do see that having a positive effect on in terms of demand for the economy, services. Um, you know, there a lot of immigration that comes. They'll still be buying things, you know, especially when you look at real estate, anything to fill your home with. So there's definitely a positive spin in terms of spending. Um, now, the supply side with the housing market, yes, that's one area of concern. And so that's why we do see in our forecast, though, um, housing starts picking up and um, construction really starting to increase. Um, it, it has already, but because of the interest rate, this sort of slowed down. And then we do see it picking up again. And especially with the Ford government putting a big push on um, housing and the city council as well, we've, we've seen. So we do hope that with all this construction, um, there will be a, a positive impact on, on housing and the pricing going forward. Victor, uh, thank you very much for allowing our listeners to uh, get a sneak peek at this uh, outlook from the Conference Board of Canada. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the day. Yes, thank you for having me. Victor Cheechman is an economist with the Conference Board of Canada. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Talking about Talk to a Stranger Week. This is very interesting. This is from the Genwell Project. You can find all the details online at genwellproject.org. And so they, along with researchers from Simon Fraser University, came together and they wanted to figure out whether or not that people who greeted strangers were happier. And so what they found out was that people who do, in fact, greet strangers, just say hello to a stranger at least once a week, are three times more likely to be happy than those who do not. And so I will ask you this. When was the last time you just said hello to a stranger? I think that's a rarity nowadays, and I'm, I'm putting myself in this conversation as well. You know, you might say, you know, th- this past week, for example, I think we, in great, during Great Cup Week, we talked to a lot of strangers. Because we had a lot of tourists and a lot of CFL fans from around the country converging in Hamilton. And so not necessarily were we forced to talk to them. I think we really wanted to talk to them and say, hey, welcome to Hamilton. Um, enjoy the game. Thanks for coming to our city and enjoying the festival. But besides that, you know, if you're at the grocery store or only just walking in a parking lot or just down the sidewalk, even in your neighborhood, if you don't know the person, do you offer a friendly hello or you just kind of, you know, stare down at your feet and mosey on along because, well, you just don't want to potentially get into a, a situation you don't want to be in. Not to say that they would, that would happen in our city, but from time to time, you know, talking to a stranger is probably not a good idea. But this survey from the Canadian Social Connection 
uh, again, along with the general project and Simon Fraser University, found some really interesting things. Number one, only 28% of Canadians think that speaking to a stranger can make them happier. Only 36% of people in this country believe that speaking to a stranger can improve their mood. And only 35% believe that speaking to strangers can help them feel less lonely. Interesting quote from one of the researchers in this project who said that talking to a stranger week will encourage Canadians to reach out to a neighbor who is always wearing a pair of gardening gloves, the local dog walker with the cute French bulldog, our local coffee barista, and all the other people who we pass by each day and often miss the opportunity to build connection. And I think that's what it's all about. And so let's go to our guest. We'll have a few minutes to speak with him, but Pete Bambachi is the founder of The General Project and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Pete, good morning. How are you today? It is absolutely great to be here. It's a beautiful morning. You are, uh, you are officially talking to a stranger, but I'm glad we connected this morning. What is this week all about? Well, really, this week is uh, another effort by the Genwell Project to awaken all Canadians to the importance of building healthy social connection habits. And talking to strangers, although we've told people for 50 years not to talk to them, may actually, by research, be one of the greatest things we can do, especially post-pandemic, when we don't have a lot of our social habits and rituals in place. Just talking to a stranger can not only increase your sense of trust, belonging, inclusion, uh, optimism, so many benefits. But, you know, again, we haven't educated people on this, and that's what we're trying to do this week. I know as children we were told not to talk to strangers, so why don't we do it as, as adults? Do we just kind of carry that mentality? Uh, I, actually, I think that is the case. Is I think we just we learn it when we're young, and we just start to believe that, you know, maybe we shouldn't. But there's also, you know, there's lots of fear, and there's social anxiety coming out of the global pandemic. So there's lots of reasons why people may not do it. But we hope that by giving them a week where it's, you know, you're given permission, there's an excuse, there's a reason to do it, a reason to give it a shot, that hopefully people will give it a try the first time. And there's a piece of research out of the UK that this is based on, that if you do it for seven days in a row, that we all gain our confidence in actually doing it, we feel more comfortable doing it, and we continue to do it beyond that time. So easy to do, just say hello, right? It is that easy, and, you know, <laughs> oftentimes there's a piece of research, again, out of the U.K. that shows that even a simple smile can make a difference in the other person's mood. So when we recognize that this is not just about what we get out of it, but what we might do for somebody else, we might change a day, a week, a life, you know, all these little interactions add up to a lot when we talk about the importance of our social health. You can get more details online at genwellproject.org. Pete, thank you for your time this morning. Be well. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Talk you too. to a stranger. You got it. Pete Machi is the founder of the Genwell Project. It is Talk to a Stranger Week. Yeah, say hello to a stranger on the sidewalk today. Maybe in the elevator. Yeah, you're passing someone at your workplace or in the grocery store. Hey, how are you? Hope you have a great day. It's as easy as that. I'm sure you will feel pretty good. Unless the, you know, unless the conversation suddenly goes sideways and the person tells you to, you know, go stuff it. Genwellproject.org. Hopefully that's not the case for more details. In the Talk to a Stranger week. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, this is an interesting topic for sure. The WHO, the World Health Organization, has announced that loneliness is a global public health concern. So much so that it is warning that loneliness and social isolation could become a global epidemic leading to dementia, 
heart disease, stroke, and premature death. Steve Jordans is a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Steve, thanks for waking up with us this morning. How are you? Great to be with you. Thank you. What do you make of this declaration or this warning by the WHO? Uh, I mean, it's, it's something that's been coming for a long time. This is pre-pandemic. Um, we've seen trends where people are living more isolated lives, um, generally choosing convenience over things like social interaction with other people. Um, and yeah, the pandemic just kind of put it into a whole other gear where it really is at, the, at a crisis level at this point. So what do you mean by choosing convenience? They just don't want to deal with other people? Yeah, I mean, quite literally, if you kind of think of silly little things like the fact that we now have driveways that we can drive into and close the door and get into our house and we don't actually have to be in the neighborhood talking to neighbors. Um, and, you know, just generally checkouts at, at, at stores now, we can use the automated checkout. We don't have to deal with a teller. Uh, you know, life generally has been one where we've kind of separated humans from each other, especially kind of in urban environments where, yes, we all want our space, but we just continually undervalue how important it is, even those little random interactions with strangers, how important they are to ourselves and our mental health. How, how big of a factor has the internet or just technology in general been in contributing to this so social isolation? Yeah, huge, huge, uh, in, in a number of ways. I mean, to give you one taste, a, most young people now have grown up in a world where social media has been probably their dominant form of communication. And when you think about social media, yes, words are going back and forth, but you're losing all of the nonverbals. Like even you and I now have the tone of our voice and the way we say things. That tells a whole lot about what we're really thinking. And when it's a face-to-face -face interaction, you see all of that reflected in the body of the other person. Person. And so, so many young people are not used to those face-to-face -face interactions. They haven't had the practice that we had when we were younger. And now they have really high levels of social anxiety. If you ask a, an 18-year-old to just go talk to a stranger, um, which is sort of what this week is all about, they can find that a very stressful thing. They have a lot of what they call fear of negative evaluation, where they think it's going to go badly hmm. and they just don't even want to try. So when they do end up trying, how do they combat these feelings? What should they be doing? Yeah, uh, well, one of the first thing is to realize that that fear of negative evaluation is largely just misplaced. Uh, about 90% of people think some interaction with a stranger will go poorly. And in studies where they actually kind of convince people to give it a try, about 90% go really well for both parties, where both parties leave feeling better and, and happier. And in fact, a lot of the research suggests that, you know, being able to get over that, that social anxiety yields all sorts of rewards. But it is difficult. And, and I think that's the challenge we have is a lot of people are more comfortable in their homes, you know, working from home, working remotely, uh, and they end up in these little bubbles and they're lacking even more opportunity for those interactions as they do so. I'm going to guess even with those 90% of those, whatever you want to call them, initial interactions yeah. going well, how, how many times do they have to do that to, to convince themselves that, okay, I'm, I'm all right now? Yeah. And I mean, that's the trick. There's an interesting study by Jillian Sandstrom that really kicked off this, you know, Jenwell has talked to a stranger week this week. Mm -hmm. And what she literally did is, is almost just that. She said, hey, listen, I know it's going to be difficult, but for the next week, 
I would like you to make an effort to reach out to one or two strangers a day. And so she had a group of people in the study that did that and another group that did not. And that group that did that for a week, that pushed through that social anxiety, um, that became a habit of their life. They, they really felt the benefits. Um, they appreciated the benefits. They felt happier and more content. And when they were followed up on down the road, they were continuing to engage in that behavior. Uh, and so the research suggests, you know, it's hard. It's kind of like working out, right? How do you get in those first few workouts done? Um, but there's, there's in fact tricks to that too. Uh, and one of the things I would suggest to people is to look into something called active listening. Uh, it's kind of like what you do every day, to be honest, um, that you can interact with somebody in more of a reporter style, asking them questions about themselves and what they're doing and, and their lifestyle. And it can be a relatively easy way to engage in a conversation and it almost always goes positive because we all like talking about ourselves. And so if you're asking somebody about themselves, they tend to enjoy that conversation. We have a couple more minutes with Steve Jordans, professor of psychology at the University of Toronto as we talk about social isolation and loneliness here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. From a health impact standpoint, I found the findings of U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy mm-hmm. earlier on this year pretty interesting where they claim that the health risks associated with loneliness are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes every day and that loneliness increases the risk of premature death by nearly 30 percent are you buying into those numbers yeah yeah i mean the the numbers are firm um there's always two ways to see this uh you know you can you can focus on loneliness and the negative impacts on loneliness or you can flip that and talk about social connection and the positive benefits of social connection it's of course the same story but the social connection way of thinking about it i I believe is much more empowering um, because it literally kind of suggests hey, there is a way out of it. But the fascinating thing about that research is, yeah, when you look for, you know, if is there a variable that is most strongly um, correlated, say, with human health and happiness, social connection is that variable. And it's mental health and it's physical health, as you highlight. You know, if there's one thing that can make our lives better, it's trying to get four to five to six people within our lives that we have good, trusting you know, great relationships with. And people who have that tend to be very happy and very healthy. Austin Forney, we've got about a minute. The WHO says a quarter of older adults and 15% of adolescents experience loneliness and social isolation. Is the impact the same on those two age demos? Well, no, I mean, no, quite different. Um, I mean, for the older people, it is, it's more about the present. It's more about, you know, being happy and healthy now. For the younger people, a lot of times they're that's the time when they have to build out the social network that they're going to kind of lean on through the rest of their lives. And so for young people, when they're having trouble making social connections and building out those networks, that has a much more dramatic potential impact on on their future uh, and the opportunities that, that are there for them. Um, so they're both very serious, but but it is a sort of different beast. Excellent insight from Steve Jordans, professor of psychology at the University of Toronto. Steve, thanks for the time and have a great day. Thank you. You as well. That is Steve Jordan's from the U of T. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Today marks Transgender Day of Remembrance. The annual observance is held on this day, November 20th, to honor the memory of the transgender people who lost their lives in acts of anti-trans violence. And this commemoration began 24 years ago after a transgender woman was murdered. Joe Jefferson is a specialist in education and training with the 519 and joins us now on GMH. Joe, good morning. How are you? 
Great. Thanks for having me so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm great. First off, let's talk about the 519. What are you guys all about? We are a community center based right in downtown Toronto in the heart of what is traditionally known as the Gay Village. And uh, we've been located there as a community center providing programs and services to two-spirit, trans, and, and queer folks since the mid-70s. So we're coming up on 50 years of providing, uh, yeah, providing programs and services. Wow, that is awesome. What does Transgender Day Remembrance mean to you? Yeah, for for me and for for many folks, I think it really means an opportunity to just pause and acknowledge those lives that have been taken by anti-trans violence and to name the names of people who have been killed, whose lives have been cut short because of systemic neglect and abuse, um, and to really recognize that their 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 lives had value because so often their lives are, you know, cast aside or erased by, by transphobia. And so uh, just even just taking that time to say we will remember them because they mattered to us. And, uh, you know, this past year, um, between October of 22 and September of 23, almost 400 people were killed because of anti-trans violence. And that number is vastly underreported because so often people's lives are, as I said, passed over, disregarded, not seen as worth worth uh, investigating. You know why they died, um, or not? They are not named as trans members of trans communities. Wow, that's so sad. Is that a a number nationally? That's a Canada-wide number. That's a global number. Oh wow! Yeah. But, you know, when you think about it, that's one more than one person a day killed simply because of who they are and that they're trying to live their lives in an authentic way. But the day is also a time to really come together as as communities and to really recognize not only, yes, our grief, which is which is massive, but also our power. And that's the 519 theme this year is in power and unity. So coming together is so so important to us, and um, and also coming together with our allies uh, to to do that grief work, and also to celebrate and recognize the ongoing uh, power of of trans people and our resilience, and uh, how we are fighting through, and how much we need to show up for each other even more than ever. Well said. Joe Jefferson is a specialist in education and training with the 519 as we mark Transgender Day of Remembrance today. Uh, There's an event going on in Toronto tonight. I believe it's on Church Street and virtually as well. Can you tell us about that? Yes, it's going to be uh, in the park that's right around the 519 Community Centre, so Barbara Hall Park. Uh, We're having a candlelight vigil. We're having uh, speeches, performers. There'll be tons of food for everyone who shows up, and uh, it is a really important annual event for us that we put on. So tons of volunteers and staff will will be there to support the event. And uh, as I said, it's a chance to, yes, grieve and name and honor and also uh, see each other for who we are and celebrate each other. How should allies commemorate this day? How How do we get involved? Oh, that's a great idea. Well, showing up to any event that's happening, especially at the 519, um, 
and committing, really committing to show up in allyship. And that's not just waving a flag on Pride Day or on, in June. That is showing up year-round and doing real concrete actions, like making sure your workplace is hiring trans folks, making sure that landlords in your neighborhood are hiring tra- are, are renting to trans people, um, you know, making sure that if there's an opportunity to vote, to cast a vote for someone who is 2SLGBTQ+, uh, that those candidates are getting your support. Um, also, making sure that trans youth, uh, that two-spirit trans and non-binary youth are getting your support, whether that's welcoming them into your spaces, you know, supporting them at school, making sure you show up when hatred is preventing them from being who they are, and you show up and, and protest that and try to shut it down. It's a great- um, also, donating, donating your time, your money, your expertise to organizations that support uh, and provide services to trans communities. I was going to say, it's a great message from our guest, Joe Jefferson, specialist in education and training with The 519, online, the519.org. Joe, appreciate the time, and um, uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance brings uh, to many in this community today. Thank you so much, Rick. Joe Jefferson with the 519, again online, 519.org. The 900 CHML Christmas Tree of Hope campaign is officially going to kick off with our Blitz Day Radiothon this coming Friday, December the 1st. But you can make a difference in a child's life today by making a donation at 900CHML.com via PayPal or Canada Helps. You can also text the word donate to 30333 or call the office at 905-521-2310. And uh, Children's Fund President Olivia will certainly help you out. You can also drop off some donations at the radio station, 875 Main Street West. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There is a national food celebration that is on now, and it is highlighting black-owned restaurants, food trucks, caterers, and ghost kitchens. It's called Buy Black's Restaurant Week. And uh, one of the restaurants that's being highlighted this week is Hamilton's very own Ellis Kitchen. And the owner and chef of Ellis Kitchen joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Sophia Anglin, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? you? How are you celebrating <laughs> by Black's Restaurant Week? Well, we have a prefixed menu for the whole week. And what you get is an on, um, first you get an appetizer, which is um, our soup of the day. Um, we have different soups each day of the week. And then you get an entree, which is our very famous jerk chicken. And then you get um, also a dessert, which is um, our homemade ice cream. I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Oh. Home, I was going to ask you about that homemade <laughs> ice cream. That homemade ice cream is Caribbean ice cream. Yes, Caribbean ice cream. Wow. Where, uh, where did you yeah. have the idea to create this? <laughs> well, I, in Jamaica, there's um, a famous um, ice cream parlor. It's called Devon House. And they have the most extraordinary ice creams. And when I went there, I just fell in love with, especially Dragon Stout, which is my favorite. And I came back home and I'm trying to search where I can buy it here. I couldn't find it. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to make it myself. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how it started. I made it myself and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Everyone liked it. So I just kept adding more flavors. I have 10 flavors. That is amazing. Yeah. What is your favorite dish to serve, and what's your favorite dish to eat? Uh, 
to serve will probably be um, the jerk chicken. Um, it's, it's, it's everybody's favorite, and it's just easy to serve. My favorite to eat, though, would be the ackee. Um, it's Jamaica's national dish, and I, it's usually um, for breakfast, but you can eat it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Okay, and, and what is ackee? I've never had it. It's a fruit that grows on it grows in the Caribbean on a tree. And it almost looks, when you bake it or cook it, it kind of looks like scrambled eggs. Hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't taste like eggs, though. It just has this nice mild flavor, and we um, cook it with onions and scotch bonnet pepper and and, and just seasonings, and it's just... It's just nice. Wow, it's almost <laughs> breakfast time. I think we're all going to head yeah. over to Ellis Kitchen right now. <laughs> yeah, we're open now. Well, we open at 8 o'clock. We open 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Online at elliskitchen.com, uh, one of the yeah. many restaurants participating in Buy Black's Restaurant Week, which is uh, celebrating food uh, that black-owned restaurants, food trucks, caterers, ghost kitchens, uh, concoct on a daily basis. And as you heard, there's a prefix menu you can take advantage of at Ellis Kitchen with a soup of the day, jerk chicken, their famous jerk chicken, and a dessert as well. And I understand you recently started opening on Sundays. Has the demand for your food been that incredible? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, people can see. Yeah, especially caterers. Um, we do catering too, and people want um, caterings done on Sunday. And we're like, oh, we don't open on Sunday. So, um, we decided, okay, let's open on Sundays. And actually, it's been busy. It's been really, it's been really busy. There have been challenges, as we know, in the restaurant industry with mm-hmm. uh, getting people to that place of employment. They're looking for a more stable place. How how are you doing things right? Um, in terms of employment, what? Sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, there, 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 there's a lot of there's a big challenge of hiring and retaining staff oh. in the restaurant industry. How are you able to? to you know sideswipe or stick handle around that challenge yeah with with the restaurant industry it's like the turnover is is more than regular because mm-hmm. it's mostly we mostly have students and this is for them it's not a full-time it's not a career right it's just something to get them through school <clears throat> so um i don't really find it challenging we have a lot of students uh, wanting to work here yeah so it's not well, so, too much of a problem. Sounds like a great place to work if you're around jerk chicken all the time. I'll, yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> How long has Alice Kitchen been open? Oh, we've been open for 20 years. Wow. Uh, actually, no, our old location, because we just moved to Ottawa Street yes. um, back in June. And our old location, which was on King Street, we were there for 20 years wow. on King Street. So I would say altogether 21 years. That is a great success story. Here's yeah. to at least 20 or 21 more. Uh, Sophia, thank you for the time today. And uh, best thank of luck during Buy Black's Restaurant Week. Okay. Thank you for having me on. You can check out Ellis Kitchen online, elliskitchen.com. You can also go to buyblacks.com and uh, check out the list of participating restaurants. But I don't know. That soup of the day, that jerk chicken, that that Caribbean ice cream sounds pretty doggone good. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.